When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one, and by Allstate, proud partner of Oklahoma Athletics. Now, here's Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. This is the Game Plan Live, along with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. I'm Chris Plank, and we are back live on Facebook. So today will be about your reactions, questions, thoughts, and I think I know where a lot of this conversation may lead, Toby. The Fox and how it got on the field. There at was the a Cotton Fox Bowl. on the field, Chris. <laughs> I, no one liked my joke. I felt like I had a home run. Now, my wife always tells me I'm not funny. But when I said that Fox probably lives at the Cotton Bowl and he came running out, yeah. I was like, what are all these people doing here? I thought it was great. I, I didn't think it was a joke. I think you're probably <laughs> right. <laughs> it's one of two games that's played every single year at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. And by the way, Kudos, I walked in on Saturday morning with their field guy. We walked in at the same time. It's not like bragging that I got there early, but right. uh, I walked in the same time, and I just told him, like, this is incredible. I don't know how you do it. He goes, it's easy. There's two games here all year long. Yeah. So, and I think a Rolling Stones celebration uh, You're a big celebration turf management guy. Well, I feel like on the sidelines. How's your lawn? Um, I just gave it its final mow. We got a little seating we got to do on the front yard. You have a good-looking lawn, though? Front yard. Don't go look at the backyard. Okay. You know, it's, it's always about, you know. What it's like, for instance, I'm wearing joggers. If I stood up right now, I wouldn't look very professional. Right. Collared shirt, I look like I belong. Front yard looks great when you're driving by. Backyard, a mullet. You'd be good in a mullet. That's right. That's the way to go. Business in the front, party in the back. So if you're not about the fox, and obviously the conversation centers around who will it be on a Saturday mo- afternoon, evening, inside Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. And as expected, T. Rowe, Lincoln Riley, not really tipping his hand one way or the other with Spencer Rattler or Caleb Williams. Fascinating press conference. I thought that, um, you know, it was almost all about the quarterback. Every single question. Uh, Coming off a game with more twists and turns than any game I've ever seen. More fascinating things that happened. Certainly the quarterback situation is at the uh, top of the list and is interesting. So it deserved to be asked about. I thought Lincoln was very thoughtful and forthright about the whole situation. He didn't. Um, act like he didn't want to talk about it. He was perfectly willing to talk about uh, how Spencer's 
handling things and his personality and what he liked and didn't like from Caleb and uh, the fact that he likes being the one who psychologically is responsible for these kind of things. He doesn't need a quarterback coach. They, right. Like, I do this all the time. This is, <laughs> I thought that was great. By so the way. Um, it was a very interesting press conference, and I, it looked like Lincoln walked in and said, I understand what's going to be asked of me today, <laughs> so let's just be completely honest with everyone. And uh, I think that's what he was. And I listen, I, I mean, I, I think it's probably going to be Caleb Williams. I don't know how you have a game like that a win like that, a comeback like that, and Caleb Williams isn't the starter for the next game. But I think that uh, Lincoln is right, and we're going to look at some Caleb Williams highlights. I want to circle back and talk about Spencer here in a second. But Write that down I mean, so for I his forget. first play ever in OU Texas to be this, uh, that'll, go in a, that'll go down in history right there. And and not to be lost is the fact that they went for it on that play. Yeah, more than one. In the on the first play of the second quarter from their own 34-yard line. That was a massive gamble. I mean, if they don't pick that up, then Texas has the ball with a chance to go up 35 to 7 and it's good night, Irene, right? But then he came in and, and just was spectacular. He had some moments that were cringeworthy. He's having a hard time with the shotgun snap, catching it multiple times oh. now. And he had a couple of throws that you thought, oh, God, don't throw it there. But when he was spectacular, he was spectacular. This right here might have been his best throw of the day. Dropped the snap, picked it up, and threw a seed to Marvin Mims. I mean, that is a NFL. Look at this arm. And the window's not very big, and he hits him on the run. And he knew. The throw to Marvin on the other end, I'm sure we're going to see that. Uh, not this Ooh. one, but the one for the touchdown. This one he's throwing, fading away. But Marvin makes the individual effort to come back and get it, just trusting his guy. And and then here's the, here's the picture that, no, this is the comeback again. But the other throw, the touchdown one was amazing, and he put it where only Marvin could get it. So, um, here yeah, it here it is. This is uh, oh, on the run, gosh. off one foot. 53 a perfect yards. pass, a perfect catch. He got a toe down. That's one of the greatest plays in the history of OU Texas right there. So Caleb was great, and I think he's going to be the starter. <laughs> I'd be shocked if he's not. I think everybody would be. But let's don't forget the fact that Spencer Rattler, as the starting quarterback, has won 14 straight games. It was a week ago that we were just raving about how well he played in Manhattan and how good the offense looked. And uh, and then you've got to give him a world of credit for coming in after he was benched two years in a row. And last year he delivered in four overtimes for this team after he was benched. And this year he delivered a massive two-point conversion pass that might have had a little anger behind it after he was benched because it was a bullet as well. It was a so. laser. So when our man Alan Grayson asks, what's next for Spencer Rattler? Well... As we learned from the press conference today with Lincoln, he gave him Monday off. Look at this throw. This throw. Is, that's a, what's the term you used? A seed? Oh, I said seed, I bullet, love that. rocket, dart. Dart. Yeah, missile. Can't can, can. look at that. Point. Oh, what a play. Um, so he didn't practice yesterday, but that was a Lincoln Riley decision. Said, hey, get away, get your head clear. He was at practice today, and I fully anticipate these guys are going to battle, right? It seems as if. 
this offense moved pretty well with Caleb Williams. And if Spencer Rattler is going to be the backup the rest of this season, I would fully expect him to continue to fight for it. Teddy had a great take. I'm sure it stinks for him, right? This happened in front of everybody to see your backup come in and take over and excel. But I think I think Spencer's an awesome kid. I don't know where some of these preconceived notions come from. He's been great to interview. He's been great to talk to. Um, Isn't it fascinating? Like there is a public perception of him and a team and coaching staff perception of him. And they are 180 degrees opposite. I and I've been trying yes. to figure, I've, I've spent way too much time on my radio show in the I morning too, trying to get today. to the bottom of what it's all about. And it seems to have to do a lot with, I don't know, body language and stuff television catches and things like that. But it is a, an interesting dichotomy for sure. By the way, this is, we haven't even touched on the defense yet, but. We're having some, a hard time keeping up with Craig Moran. Now he's like, on listen, let's move on past this We're not used thing. to doing a podcast where somebody else is in charge. That's right. Um, but one thing I will add. They're going to need Spencer again this year. So that's well, why. I mean, that's one thing that Lincoln has proven, right? Is right. that he's not afraid to bench his starting quarterback and go to the next guy. He's done it twice now. So who's to say Caleb doesn't come out in this game or one, three or four games down the line and has a rough first half and he turns to Spencer. So I absolutely, I think that both of these guys are going to factor in the rest of the way. How about the fight and speed D? Um, during this current 14-game winning streak for the Sooners, eight of those 14 opponents have been held to 20 points or less. 27 forced takeaways in that span, including eight games with multiple takeaways, plus 13 in the turnover margin. And yeah, there were times on Saturday where it was frustrating because maybe a, a guy breaks free or maybe he breaks a tackle or I don't know the first play from scrimmage. But they fought and put Texas in tough spots all that second half. Yeah, they gave up 48 points. So I don't know that it's a glorious day for the defense. And they gave Correct. up some some bombs that where they got behind them. They, obviously, the first play of the game was ugly. But you do have to give them credit for the second half. And the way that they got pressure consistently on Casey Thompson and the way that they bottled up Bijan Robinson in the run game in the second half. He had 101 yards, I think, at halftime and finished at 137. Now, I also think that Steve Sarkeesian went away from his run game some in the second half, a little inexplicably with a lead. But that was a different team on both sides of the ball in the second half. And uh, those frontline guys, Isaiah Thomas, Perrion Winfrey, Nick Benito, they really got after that defensive line of, or that offensive line of Texas. I thought the return of Danny Stutzman was good. You see him get a sack here or in on that sack. He he was everywhere. He's you're going to have a hard time keeping him off the field if he's healthy, I think. Brian Osamoa had maybe his best game of the year. So some troubles on the back end, but uh, good second half. One thing that I did notice is they moved Isaiah Thomas inside a little bit on Saturday. You saw yeah. Caleb Kelly tackle, yeah. rushing the passer. They they showed off their diversity, and on that fourth down play, which we thought was going to end up being so key, but they ended up being in another score after it. They had three true freshmen on the field, and Stutzman, Latrell McCutcheon, and Billy Bowman Jr. It's just, it's. And then you had a couple of older dudes out there, and Pat Fields, and then Justin Broyles. The mix between youth, inexperience, and ridiculous experience is just incredible. There's the numbers, largest comeback victory over Texas. Previous largest 
was 96 in 2002. I forgot that they were down 11 in 02. Uh, 25 second half points, 240 yards in the fourth quarter, largest comeback against Texas. I could sit here and talk about this all the day. Today we'll never forget. I mean, it's a game and a day that we'll never forget. Ooh, it's one cool. of those games where um, you and I could sit here for an hour and talk, and at the end of that hour, we'd think of six things that we forgot yeah. about. Well, I already have, and I was already mad because I rewatched last night, and I was nervous the whole time. I'm rewatching the second, third, and fourth quarter, and I'm nervous the whole time. I don't have any nails left, and this was in the middle of a Dodgers game, too. And yet, lo and behold, you're watching it, and there's little things that you forget. For some reason, TV skipped past the Kennedy Brooks run where he was down in the that fumble. Was a huge play. Massive play huge in that play. game. Yeah. Massive play in that game, and those throws from Caleb, from Caleb Williams. You know, there's a couple of the throws where I look back on that fourth quarter, and you're like, that, that could have been picked. Oh, but yeah. he had the velocity behind it that it went right by the defensive back. God, fun Saturday. Unstinking believable. Have you <laughs> trademarked that yet? No, Lou Holt stole it from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me get a couple of them. So uh, the, the whole point of being able to do this live is to hear from you. We're back up on Facebook, so let's answer some questions. Doug Armstrong wants to know any updates on injuries. Nobody asked. Nobody asked. press conference. Not uh, a question about we were, it, guys. We were, we were all worried about the quarterback, so uh, – Hopefully tonight, uh, I don't know. Sometimes Lincoln will update us on those, especially if a guy's about to come back. Sometimes he won't. But I would love to know just kind of an update on Woody Washington and Jalen Redman and Theo Weiss. Those are guys that have been out now mm -hmm. for an extended period of time. Does it still look like it's going to be quite a while longer? Are any of them close? I think they could really use Woody. I do too. Um, so, yeah, we got him tonight for the coach's show, and hopefully we can uh, get a question in there about that. Woody is, was there Saturday, so he was on the sidelines. That's the first time I saw Jalen Redman since he had been out. He was at the game on Saturday, so those are the two big ones. Uh, you mentioned Theo. I didn't see him down there on Saturday. He's been kind of a mainstay at home games, had the little cart with the, his cast, so maybe, maybe the hope is sooner rather than later for Theo and Woody might be a little bit of, all right, excuse me, for Jalen and Woody, maybe a little bit of time got, for Theo. You got Delarian Turner Yell now oh, apparently gosh, yeah. out again after the injury on the first play of the game. But so. every, I mean, throughout the game, Tyrese Robinson went down for a little bit, but he came back in the game. I think they stayed pretty as healthy. As physical and as hot as it was, it's amazing that it appeared any way to get out of it without more dings in the disc. Yeah, game bold of Benny Wiley and his staff, Scotty Kolak. Uh, Brian Keegan, Cesar Martinez, they do an incredible job, man. They're really good Talk at their job. Talk about that crowd. You were down on the field. I don't know if I've recovered. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not even kidding. I've been reaching out to people because I've been wanting to do podcasts about them and wanting to write articles about it. And it helps that most of it was played in the south end zone, right? Fourth I mean, quarter, yeah. The, the big Second moments half, were. Yeah. But it's just I, I always I have my headphones and I wear them the whole time, right? I, I'll take one ear off sometimes to hear maybe a little bit of what the coaches are saying. I'm getting pretty good at reading lips, but not good enough to where, you know, Dennis Simmons is good. He can hide what he's saying, but you take it off and try to hear a little bit. There was a lot of times in that fourth quarter where I just took them off and just, you know, you immersed. You, Soak you, it in. You bathed in the madness that was that South End I zone. I love the video you posted. Wasn't that, that was, great? That was great, yeah. The dude, I got to – okay, the guy in the cowboy hat in my video at Plank Show on Twitter, <laughs> I want to find you. We got to talk, man. That is, <laughs> he just standing on it, got his cowboy hat, soup. pumping his fist. It was ready. It was it, awesome. It was absolute pandemonium. It was the greatest. Um, That's the greatest OU crowd 
Uh, that and the jump around game yeah. in Norman were the two greatest OU crowds I've ever seen. I wasn't there for the jump around game. That was pre-me on the Nebraska sideline. 2000. That's way up there, too. I'm continuing to add to the list. And then let's not special. forget. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then there was this. And there was that Oklahoma game, when uh, uh, the Bedlam game, when Brendan Clay walked them off. Yeah, that was, pretty that was a pretty special atmosphere, too. But speaking of running backs, Kendall writes, great to hear that Marcus Major is in shape, having been working with the scout team. You know, I think Marcus Major just – he gives him another body in the running back room. Sure. And I think sometimes Marcus – I mean, let's face it, had maybe his best game last year in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, no like doubt. Most players did. Mm -hmm. So, I think it just – it helps when you have another body like that in there. Well, that's a position that uh, gets dinged up. You know, they've been fortunate so far this year that the two guys that they lean on, Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray, have stayed healthy. But this gives you a little bit of depth. I think if Brooks and Gray continue to stay healthy, you're probably not going to see a lot of Marcus Major. But if one of them uh, suffers an injury or, or uh, gets dinged up a little bit, then it gives you another back who has experience and is a really good player. Marcus Major is a really good player. So that's not a little thing. Uh, no. Rarely do you get through a season without working your way down the depth chart at the running back spot. So I think it's a pretty big deal that they got him back we go back to 16 quite a bit whenever we're on a plane to go to Ames Iowa and Samaje is hurt and Joe Mixon is suspended yeah. and Daniel Brooks is hurt and the next thing you know you look out in the fullbacks yeah the running back so you always want to make sure you have that depth there I like this from Maryland Maryland Cole writes I hope the fans who were in Dallas show up in Norman the rest of the year we supported the team can we get that atmosphere every Saturday? Can we all go crazy every Saturday inside Gaylord? I mean, it's a great atmosphere, but ooh, that was that's going to be hard to emulate. Just don't fall down 14-0 to make it. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's hard to explain. I think there was a couple of years of frustration built in because a lot of fans didn't go, get to go last year. I, you knew something was different when they're holding up the team to go up the ramp at halftime, down 18 points. And the crowd gives them a standing ovation. And that's when it first caught my eye. Holy cow. Because that's not the reaction you expect for a team going back in the locker room down 18. And the crowd was behind them from that point the rest of the way. Just carried them. I mean, they just carried them. It was spectacular. Um, gosh, there's a lot of great questions here. And all of them, as you might imagine, center around the quarterback position. Right. But, um, I mean... Most want to know who you think starts on Saturday. I think it'll be Caleb. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But it's just a little hard to imagine that after the game he played and the win they just had, mm -hmm. that it won't be him. So uh, my guess is it'll, it'll be Caleb, and uh, I think he earned it with that win. Craig, do we have time for a couple more? Okay, two, two more quick ones here. Richard Newman asks, how much do you think is being given to how the chemistry for the whole team seemed to change for the good when the change at quarterback happened. Uh, I think chemistry matters a lot. I think confidence in both guys is very high uh, from Lincoln Riley. But I don't know. I don't know if Lincoln Riley goes back and looks at the tape and says, wow, look at how things changed when he came in. We can do that every single game. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a fair question, but... I think that it is a fair question. And I do think that... There seemed to be an excitement to Caleb Williams being on the field and everything uh, that was, was palpable. 
I also think that it, a lot of it had to do with the way they were running the ball, the way the defense was playing. The whole kind of comeback effort became a snowball that the crowd and the offense and the defense all got built up in. And, and Caleb's a piece of that formula, for sure. The first three drives uh, that he led after taking over starting quarterback were field goal, punt, field goal. So it wasn't like it just was immediate, you know, but then it got going from that point on. So I think that that's a part of it. I think that'll be a part of the decision-making was the, the team did seem to be inspired by the 66-yard run, by the bomb to Mims. He, he's got an effervescence to him that he plays with that we saw, you know, kind of from Baker back in the day. And so that's a, that's a part of the whole equation that I think Lincoln is considering. My man Jacob Younger writes with the great mustache. But here's also a part of the formula. Uh oh, go ahead. Sorry, here's Jacob. also a part of the formula. The other guy has been the starting quarterback for 14 straight victories. They won them all. Now, and, and he, he played great in four overtimes against Texas, and he's been, he, he led him to victory in the Cotton Bowl, and he played great the week before against Kansas State, and he knows the offense like the back of his hand. So, you know, all of that fa is factored in as well. Jacob writes, at what point do you see Isaiah Thomas getting his due nationally? Yeah. He deserves it. He looked really good in the second half Saturday. He deserves it. He's playing on big stage. I, I think that I, I'm, you, don't, you follow the draft a lot closer mm -hmm. than I do. I would be surprised at his size if he's not working his way into a pretty good spot uh, for a draft at the next level. So, uh, boy, he, he had a big game against Saturday. Uh, will Marcus Major be playing? He was in uniform. Lincoln addressed that today. He's been working with the scouting team. We'll see. There's two running backs ahead of him on the depth chart. And that was going to be the case even if he was eligible to start the season. So, will we? I, I, I mean, I don't think any Brooks looked pretty good this week in 200-plus yards when Eric Gray got in there. I think we all concern ourselves with depth, and that's fair enough. But um, the most important question of the day, which gives us an opportunity to promote here a little bit. Brad Hubbard wants to, wants to know, what is it that you advertise that seeks the radio sound to the TV visual? I need that. Well, you go to a website called syncmygame.com, and it, it kind of walks you through how to do it with your television. It's not a device. It's just simply ah. getting the radio program behind your TV and pausing your TV to make it match up. And it talks you through how to go about that. So syncmygame.com. Thousands of Sooner fans are doing it. They figured it out. You can too. Syncmygame.com. Mm -hmm. Or you can watch our Pizza Hut in the booth cam and see go. this man right here who's oh. the real show. Nope. Of the whole thing. Untrue. Teddy Lehman's a lot of fun. Stats Kelly's a lot of fun to watch. You know, Teddy, Teddy has this thing that he does. Whoa! <laughs> if you go right, we put the actual broadcast, the full broadcast, if you missed it, it's on the podcast right now. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday, you can find it in the archives. Go right now to Soonersports.com slash podcast. It's the first thing up is rebroadcast of the game. And you can tell when something good or bad is happening because Teddy's always, oh, oh no. Oh, oh, no. So on the one bomb that Texas bomb, hit, like, he goes, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's well worth it. And to see stats and to see, you can see the Texas broadcasters on the other side and our man Craig Way, who is just a great yeah. person, the dejection. But, yeah, syncmygame.com, syncmygame.com, step-by-step instructions for how you can get it done. You ready for Saturday night? No. 
It's Tuesday. Let's keep celebrating. Come on, man. Lincoln's like, oh, we're already on to TCU. I'm like, I got I'm a lot not, of work to do between I'm now not. and Tuesday. Uh, yeah. And what we see from TCU, they always come in here and give Oklahoma problems. They do. Not a bad football uh, they, team. No, and their running game is churning. Now, I think they got some defensive issues right now. Usually, Gary Patterson's gotten them buttoned up pretty good on that side of the ball. They're struggling a bit defensively, but they can run the ball. I mean, Zach Evans. Uh, Kendra Miller, Max Duggan can hurt you in the quarterback run game as well. Uh, so OU's run defense has been the strength of their defense this year. That's going to be tested again. They did pretty good against Bijan, especially in the second half, but they're going to be tested again against TCU. Look at those numbers from Spencer Rattler last year. 332, two touchdowns. What a day. In beating a TCU team. A couple of that, classic Marvin Mims catches in that oh, game, too. And we also look back in that game, and our boy Teddy Lehman and Gabe Eichert were not complimentary of the effort we saw late from TCU in that game. So you know they're going to have something to prove Saturday night. Primetime at the Palace. A look at the numbers. Oklahoma, tight, right? I mean, you've got a running back in Zach Evans who is pretty special for TCU. Yeah, 236 rushing yards per game. That's per a game. bunch. Per game. We thought that it was impressive what we saw from Bijan Robinson. Zach Evans is right there with him. So that's gonna be it's gonna be a fun matchup on Saturday night. Great stuff, Toby. Have a great week as we count down to Oklahoma and TCU. For those of you on the podcast side, the Lincoln Riley press conference is right now. All right, thanks, Chris. Good to see everybody. Uh, Excited to, to get back home here. Good good couple of game stretch away from uh, from Norman here, but excited for for home game Saturday night against a, a very good TCU team, a team that we know uh, very well. You know, one of the few staffs in this league that's kind of that's been you know pretty consistent uh, most of the way through here, through our at least our tenure here. So, um, you know, ton of respect for. Coach Patterson, job he's done there for years and years. They got a really good football team this year. Um, guys playing well on both sides of the ball, explosive offensively. They're running the ball very well. The quarterback's playing well for them. Uh, you know, always good defensively. Um, and just he, he seems to be able to just plug and play guys defensively year in and year out and find ways to, to play very well. So uh, it'll be an exciting challenge and excited for our team. You know, now we're in the second half of the regular season. Um, a lot, a lot of good here in the first half. A lot of things that we can learn from, and this has typically been the time for us when we really, you know, surge and play some of our best ball. And that's absolutely our intent right now. And uh, so, uh, really focused on on what's forward, and, and excited about the team we have. Uh, I know I'll get a bunch of questions about it. Uh, don't plan on naming a starting quarterback here this week. We'll see how the week plays out. See where we are when we get to Saturday. Um, guys have done well, practiced well today, so we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll see you Saturday at 6.30. All right. Questions? Ryan Aver. Yeah, Lincoln. <laughs> Got to start off with the quarterback thing. I want to ask you about Spencer and the way he's handled things over the last uh, you know, 72 hours or so. What have your interactions been like with him, and, and how is he, uh, he doing and handling everything? He's doing, you know, considering the circumstances, he's doing well. It's not, it's not easy for a young guy. I mean, it's, you know, this, this guy gets painted a different way publicly than what he really is. And I, and I, he's a great kid. He's worked his tail off here. He's been a really good player here. Uh, I have a ton of trust in him. And uh, uh, so he's doing well. It's no, listen, it's, it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy competing at the level we do and being on kind of the stage and platform. And it's great when things are going good, but it also can make it tougher 
when when something doesn't go your way. And uh, but no, he's I think he's handled it well. We've had some good talks. I I uh, I gave him the day off yesterday. I told him get out of here. Don't come up here. We had a good we had a good talk, and I thought I wanted him just to refresh, recharge, and come back re-energized and ready to go today. And he came back today and had a great practice, just like I expected he would. Was bouncing around the practice field. So um, he's a he's he's a great kid. He's working hard. Um, again, I have a ton of trust in him, and you know it's not. Everybody thinks they want this, but it's not easy. And and you know, it's what's good for me is I can the the history with some of the guys that that you know, I've been lucky enough to coach here. They've all had those types of moments, and not one of them that had just the you know nice, smooth, rosy ride to to where they are now. It's uh, there's always bumps in the road. There's always challenges, and. You know, you've got to find ways to, to overcome them, and you got to rely on your support systems to do that. And, you know, Spencer's going to do that. And uh, he's going to be just fine. He's, he's too good a player to not, be, uh, uh, to not be very good as this thing goes on. I think we all assumed Spencer was going to be the guy because of last season. But during the preseason, during fall camp, was there a quarterback competition? I mean, was Caleb competing for that job? I mean, we we have competition at each spot, but I would say fall camp it was, um, I'll say not close, but it was very clear that Spencer was the the guy that was going to start the season. I don't think there was any doubt about that. So, and again, you know, I, I know how these things go, and everybody you know is going to remember what's most fresh on their mind. Um, you know, a week ago we we're sitting up here talking about how how well Spencer played, and and. Uh, you know, the other part of it is we got to remember, I think we are on a, I don't know what it is, 13, 14 game win streak right now. So the sky's not quite falling. So, um, you know, I think we keep it in perspective. Uh, you know, Spencer did not play his best early in the game the other day. Caleb came in and did a good job. Uh, Caleb wasn't perfect either. Uh, did a good job. Spencer did a great job coming in on the two point play. You know, for me, I, I, I feel like I have two really good players and I feel like I don't see it as a problem I don't see it as an issue it's like you know you've got to choose uh, between two great options and uh, it's a good position to be in and I know both those kids will respond no matter what position they're in. Lincoln uh, moving on uh, Marcus Major back how, how quickly can he become a factor in the running back room and how much is that going to help with the depth here for a second half? Yeah, no, it's, it was a nice surprise. Honestly, uh, it was a little, little unexpected. Um, but uh, now it's good to have him back in the fold. Um, he's been practicing uh, as a as a scout team member the entire year, so he's had a chance to go against our defense and run competitively each week. So um, we'll get him, we'll get him back reacclimated with us offensively, and I mean, he's still been in meetings and all that. So he'll just need some reps to kind of get back in the flow and rhythm. Uh, but yeah, no, it'll be great to have. We've been. You know, fortunate to keep you know those those guys healthy up to this point. But as we know, that position, especially when we have games like Saturday, when when they're super productive, it's also a very physical position. So having having him back will, is, it certainly helps. And uh, he's got some good experience and some good explosion, bring some size and some real physicality to the room, which will uh, be a nice addition. Is there any of it? I think it's two-part question, if you wouldn't mind. Related to the portal and, and the quarterback position, yeah. it's omnipresent, especially at that spot. Uh, everywhere, you've been through it here. Do you, number first question: Do you have assurances that both those guys will, will 
are going to stick stick this season out. Some coaches have to worry even week to week anymore with sure. how available the portal is. Mm -hmm. And number two, uh, how much does does the, uh, the the transfer situation loom in, in however you navigate that situation moving forward? Yeah. Um, listen, I, there's never any guarantees. I mean, you can't predict the future, but I would. I would fully expect to have both those guys the entire season. I, I would. Um, um, again, I know there's never 100%, but I think both those guys are, are pretty committed to this football team. Um, uh, I think it's a factor. I mean, it's, it's – I, I think as you plan long-term, it is. Um, I think, you know, what we've tried to preach with our guys, especially in the middle of the season, I mean, one is – you know, one is your commitment level to this place. And then, you know, these, these opportunities pop up, I mean, so often. And I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's so many examples through the years of, you know, maybe a guy, I mean, we've talked about it in here some, like Marquise his first year. And I mean, there, there's, there's, I could go through 50 guys right now of guys that maybe opportunity didn't show and then all of a sudden, bam, here you go. But I think our point to these guys has been, as, as this question has, has been brought up, I'm not talking about the quarterbacks, but just the team in general has been, you know, what is your, what is the advantage for leaving midseason? You know, I mean, to me, if, if you're wanting to leave and go search for another opportunity, then that's fine, but you're going to leave, you're going to go, you're going to go to nowhere. All right, you can't practice football on your own. You can train and do all that, but you can't actually practice football by yourself. So here you could be sharpening your skills, helping the team, and, and maybe opportunity pops up here, bam, you're ready. And if it doesn't, all you've done is make yourself more marketable and more ready for the next stop. Um, and then the other thing I've, I've told these guys, I've been honest about it, and I get maybe other coaches don't, not everybody feels this way, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but I can tell you personally, if I'm looking at a guy um, that's a potential transfer incoming here, and that guy quit on his team mid-season. Unless there's a extenuating circumstance, I, I'm gonna have a hard time taking them. And I think a lot of other coaches would echo that as well. So I mean, because the question in your mind comes up: Well, if he did it there, why wouldn't he do it here with us? And so uh, I think this guy's got to have some perspective on it um, and some patience. And, and then I think at the end of the season. You sit down, have reasonable discussions with these guys, their families, and try to figure out the best route for everybody. John Hoover. Yeah, I'm just wondering, uh, from, from your perspective as the head coach and the quarterback's coach, the guy who makes these calls, when you have a preseason competition and you're trying to decide between the, who's going to be the starter's going to be and you're looking at criteria and you're grading this and grading that, mm -hmm. what now? And, and when you've got a situation, a decision to make like you made Saturday, mm -hmm. moving forward, do you apply some of the same criteria? Is it a different criteria because you've seen them in games? How do you apply that? Yeah, good question. I mean, I think it's there's going to be there's going to be I would say admittedly a little bit more feel with this one, but I've also got a lot more to go on with both these guys. You know, I mean that's you know in Spencer's case, I've obviously been in a lot of battles with him and and um, uh, the experience, the trust factor, all that's there with Caleb. I mean, I'm seeing more reps. Uh, you know, day in and day out, I've got a chance to see him play in some games. So you're you're learning more. Admittedly, there's not as many reps to go around as you do in a fall camp. Um, but now you're talking about specific game plans and what you think is going to be best versus an opponent, how a guy's practicing. Um, so, you know, we still, you know, regardless, we got starter backup, whoever it is. I mean, we still give our backup here a 
a decent chunk of the reps. And so, again, if we were to go 50-50 on the reps, it's not going to cost the starter a lot, and the backup's not going to be getting a whole lot more. Um, so uh, really just splitting hairs there. So I think it's, it's very easily navigated. And again, I think it's, it's a heck of a lot more of a problem to me if I feel like I got two guys that ain't ready. And, and it's like I'm not, I'm not picking between two very good choices. I feel like I'm picking between two really good choices that I think can both go play extremely well and have played extremely well. Yeah, nobody does it anymore. They used to do it fairly often. Everything about just playing two quarterbacks? No. And I don't mean in like two-point conversion or short yards. I mean just literally playing both. I, I, I have. Um, I have. I, I, I guess to my core, I'm, I'm, I'm not in favor of it. But I don't want to just because it's maybe something that I don't deep down really believe in. I don't know that I'd ever take it off the table if I felt like it could help our team. Um, but it's – I guess at the surface, it's not something I would want to have, but I could never know. I, mean, I could stand up here and say, heck no, and then we go do it on Saturday. So um, we'll just see how it evolves. Yeah. What's the downside? Why don't, why don't people do it anymore? You know, I think the rhythm is tough. I mean, I think there's some challenges there uh, just with the rhythm of the game, seeing things. Um, I've always believed sometimes that it's more you know, similar to kind of what happened two years ago in the Texas game where – you know, if the starter you feel like it's just a tick off, you let them kind of catch their breath. Let them. Sometimes it's good for them to kind of see it from the sidelines and kind of see it unfold, as opposed to out there and kind of in the middle of the action. And I've had a couple examples throughout the years where I think that's been um, that where that's been pretty effective. So um, I think the rhythm of it and and for the entire offense is probably number one. And then I think a lot of times, unless you got guys whose their styles are exactly the same. You know, you're talking about, you know, potentially two sets of game plans, all of that, which can be challenging for the other 10 guys. Two sets of game plans, as challenging as it is, wouldn't it drive Gary Patterson crazy? <laughs> to, to think that's yeah. uh, if you could do them well, it'd probably make them tough. But it's, I think it, there, at some point there's some diminished returns there offensively, you know, against, against especially like a good defense like this on, you know, what can you get the guys ready to do at a high level against a good group? You, know, you talked about Gary Patterson, the things he does defensively. What does he do that always causes people problems on defense? Yeah, man, there's a lot. Um, you know, the very multiple. You know, I think they've always done a tremendous job in the secondary. Um, have made things, you know, very tough. Um, uh, they're very aggressive with your routes. They do a good job of pattern reading, and and they just they they know their system, man. They just you can tell they know it inside and out. They play it well. Um, always seems to find a couple of pass rushers that, you know, maybe were, were in a ways maybe kind of hidden gems that turn into really good pass rushers. Um, so they've done a good job. They've done a good job evaluating, developing players. They've got a system that they really stick to and believe in, and I think that's why you see the consistency throughout the years. Coach, Coach I wanted to ask you about Kennedy Brooks, who has actually become one of the more productive backs in OU history even though he's really never been the man. You know, he's started 11 games. A lot of times he comes off the bench. Your thoughts on what he's been to the program and the kind of mentality you have to have to come through consistently in that situation? Yeah, no, he's meant a lot to the program. I mean, he's been a part of you know, a lot of big games, big wins, uh, big moments here. And uh, that was kind of obviously a little off the radar last year uh, with everybody. And, and uh, but man, we're certainly glad he's back. And uh, no, it's been a it's been a great ride for him. It is, and it was you know, exciting to see him 
you know, starting to get back, you know, to playing the kind of ball that he can play and maybe even playing better than he's ever played. And so I'm um, excited for the second half of the season. He's been, you know, positive. He's, he's learned a lot. I think he's really grown up a lot um, in the last few years. Work ethic's gotten better. Practice habits have gotten better. And it's, it's fun to see a, a guy who is a team first player uh, having some success and, uh, and doing the things that he's, that he's doing well now, especially after just kind of how all last year transpired. Hard to say until we, I think, see how it plays out. I mean, some of that's a little bit of kind of foreshadowing and, and trying to understand how it's going to play out. I mean, I think the team does have high expectations, and I think we're learning more and more to try to zero in on our own and not to worry, not worry too much about the outside. I think we're, our team's doing a better job of that as we go forward. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think. I think for our team, though, and I think, you know, you look at college football this day and age with rosters turning over so much, and this is maybe not as specific to just just Caleb or just a quarterback position, but, like, you're, you better have true freshmen ready to play. I mean, that's just, that's just the nature of it. The roster's turning over more. You're bringing in more new people than ever before. And if your new people aren't ready and ready to contribute, I mean, you're, you're going to be behind. And so uh, it's it's really – it's it's crazy how much it, different it feels because I don't know. I guess when I first got started coaching, it felt like a true freshman coming in and playing well was like a bonus. You know, it was like, man, that was great. We got contributions from a couple of these freshmen, and we're developing these other guys behind the scenes already. And now it's like, man, like we need you to contribute. You know, there's going to be opportunities to contribute, and uh, and so I think you you've got to rely on those guys more and more. You got to get those guys more and more ready at, at all positions, and I'd say quarterbacks no different there being able to step into that more readily now than they would have, say, five years ago? I do, just because I think it's been done more. You know, you referenced, you know, Trevor, and, I mean, there's been, again, there's been true freshmen all over positions make big plays for big teams going down the stretch and championship teams and all that. So I think it's it's just become more the norm. You know, it's a little bit more of the expectation level. It's also some of the flip side of probably why you see so many transfers, kind of the good and bad of it, because everybody does want to come into play, and a lot of people see – Freshman playing here, freshman playing there, um, but yeah, I think the I think the, the mentality of the kids is much much different. More guys come in, you know, really really wanting to play, uh, and it's like I said, there's there's good and bad to both. Hey, Lincoln, I wanted to ask you about uh, Marvin Mims. Obviously, a big game for him on Saturday. What, what did you see for him overall? And is you know is that something that maybe that can give him momentum through the rest of the season? Yeah, no, he was man, he was awesome. I mean, those the plays he made on the balls down the field were were huge plays and just great competitive plays, which is something we as a receiving core we really try to pride ourselves on and. Uh, now, he did a great job, and yeah, it was good to get him. You know, we've been able to get him a little bit more involved here the last couple of weeks, which has been good. I think a big key to us playing well because he's one of our best players, and uh, he's done well. You now he's a tough matchup out there. He really is. I mean, the, the speed, the ability to go get the ball down the field, the stuff after the catch. I mean, 
um, you know, he's really, really turned himself into a, a really good player and, and keeps getting better. So, uh, now he's a big factor for us. We want to keep him involved. And uh, obviously, you know, you know we, we probably don't have the same outcome without him making some of those catches that he did. And I enjoy this part of it. I mean, that's that's, I mean, as a, I mean, that that's so much of what you do as a head coach. I mean, oftentimes I may not be in there coaching a D lineman, but when there's an issue, you know, guess whose door gets knocked on, you know, you know, that's and that there that you know I get I get a knock every now and then, and so that that's. That's the fun part. I mean, the scheme stuff is fun, but I mean, I, I think, you know, trying to, to guide these guys through the ups, the downs, uh, you know, try to mentally get them in a great place, help them with things they're dealing with. I mean, that's uh, our whole staff prides ourselves on it. It's, it's important, uh, probably more important in this day and age, maybe than ever before with all the distractions, all the stuff out there, um, you know, mental health issues. I mean, you just name it. And, uh, and so, no, I, I, I mean, the X's and O's and all that stuff is a blast, and I still enjoy that. But the, the hands-on approach with, with the guys, the quarterbacks, any position is uh, still probably my most important job. Um, and uh, so no, I, I enjoy it. Again, doesn't mean every day's great, every day's rosy. I mean, that's the, that's the nature of my job is you never get to, you're never going to get to a point where everybody's happy. And I, you know, I understand that. But we're trying to get to a point where everybody's supported and everybody's got a – kind of a, a path forward to, to doing better individually and doing better for the team. And we try to always make sure that we're doing our part there. Ryan Chapman. Lincoln, uh, since you've arrived, you guys have been really good after Texas. Uh, what what's kind of goes into that behind the scenes as far as avoiding a letdown? And, and then especially considering just the emotional nature of this game, that they come back, the quarterback stuff going on, is that challenge going to be even harder this year? Um, I hope not. I mean, it's... I mean, you guys hear me talk about the Texas game. It's a phenomenal game, you know, but I say it every year. It's probably too much made of it. I mean, it's everybody wants to talk about, like, these giant recruiting ramifications and, oh, my God, if we lose and, oh, if we win, it's so amazing. I mean, it's, it's great. It's a great it's a rivalry win. It's a great win. It was great that Saturday. And, shoot, Sunday morning, man, we're on a TCU. Like, that's over. I mean, that's if that was the pinnacle of our season, if, I, if it was – our number one and only goal the entire year was just to beat Texas, and shoot, I wouldn't be up here right now. I'd be on vacation right now. So, I mean, you know, there's so much left for us, and uh, we're just, I mean, we're just now at the halfway point of this thing. So, that's been our mentality all the years. I mean, I think the teams have, the previous teams have done a good job with that, but that the, this team's got to do it. You know, it's just got to be our challenge. We got to, we got the blueprint of how to do it, but we got to go do it, and we got to, we got to get past the win. I told them we'll we'll all get around someday when we're we're old and yuck it up and talk about it. But we're we're done with it for now. Yeah, just from a maturity standpoint, Caleb, what he came in and did the other day, um, is he more advanced than a, a typical freshman? Because that could have been really overwhelming, just kind of the situation he came into, and yet uh, he was poised throughout. Yeah, he did a he did a good job handling it. Um, you know, it's. Like it's one, it's one game, um, you know. He he did a lot of good. He you know there's things he 
you got to catch all the snaps. I mean, you know, there's some things he did well where he looked like a freshman, and some, th you know, and, and and or some things he didn't do well where he looked like a freshman. Some things that he did well, uh, obviously, to make some of those plays. So, I mean, there was no. I think it was certainly positive. Um, uh, you know, always excited to see a guy with kind of their first real shot and how they go perform. And and I think overall he handled it well, but. He'll have a chance to, to get a lot better as, as, as he improves and as we go on. Um, so uh, we had a lot of young guys come in there and handle it well. So I definitely don't want to minimize it, but I mean, it was, you know, we got a long way to go here and he needs to, you know, he needs to build on it and keep improving like everybody else. Once described uh, Kennedy Brooks' running style as like he's in the park with his Labrador. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever seen anybody else that runs like that? How unique is his running style? I, it, it's really unique. It's I don't know that there's anybody I could pinpoint to that. It, it almost led us honestly to not offering him in high school, and we were a late offer. And you know, God just we watched the tape and we would like it, but we never were like, wow. You know, it's like. You know, like on the field the other day, like you watch him running, like compared to to like Bijan. You know, it's different. It's just a different style, and Bijan's style kind of catches your eye more. You know, there's a little more more suddenness, a little bit more explosion. You know, it's just it just looks different. But I mean, he's just good at. I mean, he's just good at it, man. I don't know. It's so hard to describe. And it was like same thing we were going through evaluating him in high school. It was like. Man, he's good. Is he? Is he big enough? Is he fast enough? Blah blah blah. Well, I don't know if he's big enough, or fast enough. Be rushed about 350 yards a game, you know. So he's something's pretty good, and I'm glad, obviously, that we got past, you know, some of the, you know, maybe question marks that we had, and just looked at, you know, this, the guy's a really darn good football player, and uh, so, yeah, it's it, it's a unique style. It's very it, the the patience is is I've had to get used to it too. Um, you know, first in his career, we would get on him a lot for, you know, not running harder, not finishing runs more, not making cuts more violently. And as we went through, you just learned that's just kind of him. And as you watch me, just he doesn't miss many cuts. And he's, he's developed a body now where he really breaks a lot of tackles. He's tough to get on the ground. His top end speed's gotten better. Um, so now it, it is unique because it's so, so patient. But I think he's, man, that guy's carried the ball so much in his life. And, and so he's, he, he knows who he is as a runner, and he, he's very confident and settled in, in, in himself and knows what his strengths are, and it's, you know, you, to, you see the results of that. Do you think that you'll have to have those kind of conversations with NFL teams about him? I mean, I, I wonder if he'll test well. At yeah, time. yeah, no, I, I, probably so. I probably so and happily would, um, but I think, um, you know, are there going to be are, are there going to be a backs that would go out there and potentially go test better than him? There will be, um, but you turn on the tape. There ain't there ain't too many better than that, than that guy. Okay, just a few more back left. Coach, I'm sorry if I'm reaching here, but I just want to clear the air about Spencer Rattler and the stigma that you mentioned earlier. So I feel like on the outside, we're all seeing one part of his character but you bring up how he is as a teammate and as a player that can coach. So what do you see that's different than what we're all seeing? Because I feel like it's two different versions. What are you guys seeing? Just off of social media and we're all students, so we see him kind of a lot. And I feel like he does kind of get a bad rap. Um, I think a lot of times people look too far into the person rather than the player too. Um, so just, 
hearing a lot of things of like him being a selfish player on the field and that type of stuff. Yeah, no, honestly, I mean, couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, he's, uh, I mean, again, I, you know, for, for somebody, I'm not saying you personally, but for people that have not been in that arena, what the intestinal fortitude it took for that guy to go back in that game the other day when we put him in in that moment, I, it's just, it's hard to explain. Um, and as a coach, you don't put a guy in there if you're worried that, well, he's selfish and he didn't, he didn't go back in the game and he's not mentally locked in and he's not ready to help the team. I mean, that's the most important play, single play of the game. So, you know, I, I don't know that in one answer I could give you a synopsis of this, this guy, um, uh, who he is with this team, who he is behind closed doors. Um, you know, I'd tell you, you know, what he's going through is not easy. Um, he's been a tremendous teammate the entire way through. Um, he's done well here academically. He's done well here off the field. He was I, maybe the youngest player, I think, since I've been here to be named a team captain by his teammates here. Um, so, I mean, it's a he got a pretty good resume. And, uh, and he's not perfect. He's learning. He's growing. He's made mistakes. I mean, I think like all of us do at that age. But, but uh, uh, if, 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 if this guy, if we've seen his worst, then he's going to be okay. I'll put it that much. He, he's a heck of a kid. He's a really good player. Um, he got a lot of big days and bright days ahead of him. Going to kind of follow up on the poise for Caleb in that moment to be thrown in there. Is that you learn anything else about how he handled that situation? It looks like he's a very calm guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, you know, similar to the last answer, I would say. I mean, I think you know, mentally, he was in a good place. I mean, there were still some some young jitters in there. I mean, no no doubt about it. I mean, maybe you know, maybe not obvious to to. Somebody that's not coaching him, but there was still, you know, uh, there were still moments he looked like a freshman, and there were moments he handled it well. And for the majority, um, I would say for the most part, he did handle it well. So, and yeah, it's that's important. I mean, it's uh, for young guys, especially at that position, to go in and play well in that game. It's and, and that atmosphere and all that. I think it, it does say a lot about guys, and because uh, it's uh, you know, the atmospheres don't get much, much, much better than that. So, um, no, it does. It, it, I think any time you can get these young guys on the field, give them a chance to play, and they do well, you're going to gain confidence in them as a coach, and, and they're going to gain more confidence as a player. How new is this whole thing to, to you, having to kind of go through what everybody's going through this week as far as possibly changing starters? Do you find yourself reaching out to people outside the program for advice? or? No, because I mean, like for me, you know, like I, I, I got 22 other positions or 21 other positions offensively and defensively. Got all these guys wanting to play on special teams. I mean, I, I deal with this all the time. I know I haven't always been the quarterback. I get that. And, and, and are there some small differences because it's a quarterback? Sure, there is. I'm not going to sit up here and say there's not. But, you know, I, I, not saying I'm perfect with it, but I, this is uh, not the first conversations like these I've had in my career. So there's a lot I can draw back on. And again, what makes my job easier is I've got two good players and I got two really good kids that are committed to the team. And that, that's what makes this. If, if I didn't have that, if I had selfish guys, if I had guys weren't committed to the team or guys that weren't very good players, it, it wouldn't be very much fun. I mean, that, there's, there's no easy way around that. But fortunately, I got, I got two good ones. Head coach, you're the offensive coordinator. You got to figure out why a punt got blocked. All kinds of stuff. How engaged are you with 
whoever's not playing quarterback. In other words, you say Spencer was still locked in. How, how'd you know he was locked in? Yeah, just I, I interact with them uh, after every series. I typically bring them over and talk to them either during one of the timeouts. Try to typically catch it during a timeout, but occasionally I'll be talking to them during a defensive series and then watching what's going on. Um, out there, so and then and then through our talks at halftime, I could tell they were both very locked in and continued to communicate with both of them throughout the game. And I, I know those guys well enough, especially Spencer. Been in enough with him, like I can, I can tell when he's locked in and ready. And he was locked in and ready. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind Casino, still the one, and by Allstate. Proud partner of Oklahoma Athletics. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Sooner Sports Network.